Morning, everyone. Really good to be with you today. Um, I wonder of people who are sitting here this morning who have driver's licenses, I'm wondering who managed to get their license on the first try? Anyone? Oh, you can put your hand up proudly. It's good. I'm not going to ask who didn't. You don't have to raise your hands. But um, interesting, I remember the moment when I got my driver's license very clearly, actually. I uh, went for the test. Um, and please, could the owner of ND176278 please move your car? Um, that would be awesome. <laughs> we'll just do that right now, and then I'll start again. All right. Um, yeah, if you can, just shoot out. If someone else would like to go to the toilet, just to make it not embarrassing for that one person. <laughs> okay. Um, so I remember when I got uh, my driver's license really, really clearly. I went for the test and came home, and I had my license with me, and I was so pumped. I can't really remember who was at home. It was a bit of a, like a weird time and a weekday afternoon. And I remember saying to whoever was there, let's just go to KFC and get like just one of those little twilly-willy ice creams for a celebration. And I remember my brother Stephen saying, you go, you've got a license. And I was like, I do have a license. <laughs> and so that one kilometer drive from my house to KFC was like overwhelming. I always say to people that even though I already had a license, that's actually when I learned how to drive, right? With no one else in the car, that was the moment when I learned how to drive. Um, it was terrifying, just to say. I didn't drive a lot before I got my license. I did hill starts on my driveway, waiting for my parents to come out or whatever. I drove a few times and then kind of just went for a few lessons and then went for my test. And so driving with no one else in the car, that was the moment, right? Now I've, now I've got to do it. There's no one else here to save me with the extra brake pedal or whatever they used to have. Um, interesting. So the last two weeks, we've been leaning into the idea of becoming an apprentice of Jesus. An apprentice, obviously, is someone who learns from a skilled employer. So you could kind of say that I was an apprentice driver, we call them learner drivers with our big L on the back of the car. And what you do is you spend time with somebody and they're more skilled than you are. You learn from them and you become like them, right? And then that's it. No, of course, you need to actually do what they do as well. The point of learning to drive is not just to know how to drive. It's actually to drive. And the point of spending time with the skilled person is to learn from them and become like them, but also to do what they do. That moment when that learner sticker comes off the back of the car, right? That's really, really important. You're no longer the learner, now you're the driver. And so as an apprentice of Jesus, we've been speaking about how can we be with Jesus? How can we become like Jesus? And how can we do what Jesus did? How can we be apprentices of Jesus? Cindy focused on the first two of those points already in the last two weeks. If you weren't here for those messages, download them and watch them on YouTube because they really were wonderful. But I'd like to speak a little bit on that third point this morning, do, doing what Jesus did. And I'm going to invite you to take a quick journey with me through the book of Matthew. doesn't sound like a quick journey, but I promise it will be a quick journey. And we're going to start at Matthew chapter 4 this morning. So Matthew 4 verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. 
at once they left their nets and followed him. So they literally dropped their career mid-fish, dropped their nets, and they followed Jesus to apprentice under Jesus. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The same story with these two brothers. They were so keen to follow. They dropped it. They dropped everything, and they followed Matthew's chapter, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are essentially a time where Jesus teaches a very famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's like Jesus' manifesto on how to live. And so that's what happens in the next three chapters of Matthew. And then we're going to pick up again at Matthew 8, verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied... Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What an interesting response. Kind of sounds to me like Jesus is saying, are you sure you want to follow me? I'm homeless, right? Now the disciples said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. His answers seem hectic, eh? It's hardcore. But I think that Jesus sees the heart. There are some people who are eager to follow after Jesus. We see that with those fishermen brothers. They literally jumped out of the boat. They dropped their nets. Scripture says they followed at once. They followed immediately. It's kind of like they've been waiting for so long for somebody to pick them that as soon as someone says, follow me, they were just in. 100% really quick response. Others, like we see in chapter 8 here, may seem keen may even say the right words, like that first teacher of the law who says, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus sees straight through that to the heart. They want to follow on their own terms. Or maybe some, in the case of the next guy, make excuses. Just let me first, and you can fill in the blank. So a few different kinds of followers of Jesus. We'll follow on to chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Again, an immediate response. But what's interesting about Matthew is that Matthew was sitting at a tax collector's booth. He was part of the dregs of Jewish society. He worked for the oppressor. So he would have been hated by the Jews. He was a Jew, hated by the Jews because he's working for the Romans, but he's on the outs with the Romans, someone working for the oppressor. It's, it's kind of like a Jewish informant in Nazi Germany or like a black man working for the apartheid government. Don't really fit in either space. So Jesus uses these same words for all these groups of people. Follow me. And you see the different responses that he gets. Some are eager, some have excuses, and some, like Matthew, are a little bit messed up. They've got a whole story going on there, and yet they're still invited. Jesus has his crew, he's got these disciples, these followers, these apprentices that he journeys with. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, we'll pick it up there again. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news, of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. 
when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Ask God to send out workers. That word send has the same Greek root as the word mission or missionary. I don't know, we get a little bit nervous when we throw the word missionary out there, right? What, what does that mean for me? But essentially it means one who is sent by God to join in on kingdom work. One who is sent by God to join in on kingdom work. Chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus calls his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. And then he lists all of his apprentices. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. So he's called them. He sees the crowds and he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, send out workers. And then who does he send? He sends his 12. We're starting with these apprentices right here. And go. He gives them authority and he says, go and drive out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. And then he uses this beautiful phrase, freely you have received, freely give. He's saying, you know what, you've been apprenticing with me, right? And everything that I've given you, I've given freely. Everything you've learned has been given freely. You've learned these, these ways of being. Everything that I've given has been given freely, and now it's your turn to pass it on. Now you go and give it. Everything that you've received freely, freely give it to other people. That's how it works in my apprenticeship. Okay, last verse, we're going to jump right to the end of chapter 28 of Matthew, and it says this, verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, this is after Jesus has raised from the dead, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All authority has been given to me, Jesus says, and I'm passing it on to you. Now go. Do you see this pattern or this progression here? So first of all, Jesus comes onto the scene. He's, he's there to teach. He's a rabbi, but he's also the Messiah. And he's come to usher in the kingdom of God. Then he calls this group of apprentices to him. He says, come follow me. Just whoever, Peter, Andrew, come jump out of your boat. Come follow me. doesn't matter. And hang out with me. And they start to live with Jesus. And they start to do what he did. They start to adopt his practices. They become like him. They start to get up early in the morning to pray because that's what they see Jesus doing. They start to live in community because that's what they see Jesus doing. And they spend time with him. They learn the Torah. They start practicing ridiculous, this awesome generosity because that's what they see Jesus doing. And as a result, they change. So they spend this time with him. They become like him. And then Jesus says, okay, you're ready. 
you're ready. Now you're going to heal, you're going to teach, you're going to deliver, you're going to preach, go. And then meet back here. We're going to preach that the kingdom of God is close by, and then we're going to come back and debrief. So I'm sending you out, and then you're going to come back, and we're going to have a little chat. And then right at the end, multiple years in, he says to them, you've got what it takes. Go and make disciples. I'm leaving, but surely I will be with you even to the end of the age. It's apprenticeship 101, right? Stage one, I do, you watch. The disciples watched what Jesus did. Stage two, I do, you help. Jesus involves his disciples. Okay, now we're feeding 5,000 people here. Okay, Peter, what can you do? Um, okay, just hand out the bread. That's safe. You can just do that. Join, join with me. You help me here. And then there's this shift where the disciples start to do and Jesus helps. And then the disciples do and Jesus watches. Go and make disciples and surely I am with you even to the end of the age. Many of you in business would have used these leadership principles over and over. Did we know that we were copying Jesus, right? It's apprenticeship 101. This pattern and progression that we see in Scripture, the, the end goal of apprenticeship is to do what he does. The end goal of being a disciple of Jesus is to do what he did. Take the learner sticker off and actually do. It's not enough to just like hang out with your mechanic guru man, you know, and like dress in the same clothes as him and walk around with a wrench. You know, if you, I don't even know if you need a wrench to be a mechanic. I'm just guessing here, you know, because I'm not a mechanic, clearly. But if you never get under the bonnet of a car, are you a mechanic? What was the point of the apprenticeship? You just hung out with someone for an extended period of time to get some head knowledge. Unless you actually do, what's the point? You don't spend years studying medicine just so you can watch Grey's Anatomy and really understand what's happening. Hey? You actually want to become a doctor, right? And so there's a point where you take the learner sticker off and you step out and you actually do it. So why is it so different often in our minds when it comes to our faith? If you're an apprentice of Jesus, your end goal is to grow and mature into one who carries on the work of Jesus. One who does what he did. So what did Jesus do? John Marcoma breaks it down into 10 categories. I think looking at reading the Gospels, I think it's a pretty good summary. So what did Jesus do? He preached the Gospel. He taught the way. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He did justice. He ate and drank with those far from God. He made peace. He prayed. He prophesied. And he stood up against religious and political corruption. So what's the end goal? Do that. Should I just drop the mic? Bam. Usher in the kingdom of God and do that. That's what Jesus did. I mean, don't hyperventilate there, but maybe we should take some notes. It might take four years to become a plumber. It takes a few, a little bit longer than that to become Jesus, right? But that's what apprenticeship is about. Be with him. Become like him. And then do what he did. I want to imagine what some of you might be thinking. You might be thinking, okay, awesome. Okay, awesome. We can't actually do what Jesus did, can we? 
I mean, I get what you're saying, Debbie, and that's lovely. But Jesus was God. So we can't actually do what Jesus did, can we? I want to just put a but right back there. Actually, we can. I want, I want you to follow with me here for a little bit. So quite a long time ago, the normal way to approach Scripture when you were reading about Jesus in the Gospels was to see a new way of being human. So Jesus, as he walked on earth, modeled for us a new way of being human, an example to follow. Something happened in the Enlightenment period, which was around about 18th century. It was called the Age of Reason. There was a shift that happened. So a lot of the educated elite, they believed in the natural, but they didn't believe in the supernatural and definitely didn't believe that those two things could collide. They were very separate. So if you put that on to Jesus, there was no way in their understanding and their belief that Jesus could be both man and God. And so they, they just couldn't exist together. They believed that Jesus was a teacher, for sure, maybe even some kind of Messiah figure, but he couldn't be the son of God because natural and supernatural couldn't coexist. So the comeback from men of faith was to try and prove that Jesus was fully God as well. And one of the things that they would do was to say, well, look at all the miracles. A man can't do that. So surely Jesus is the Son of God. This was, all, this was done in order to prove that Jesus was, in fact, God. But I think there was a bit of a problem here because the shift that happened was when we read the Bible and we read the accounts of Jesus in Scripture, we stopped seeing it as an example of a new way of being human. Rather, we started to see it as proof that Jesus was God and there was a divide. The other problem with that thinking, a man can't do those sorts of miracles, is that it's not really true. Jesus' disciples also did miracles. Many people after Jesus did miracles. Many people before Jesus did miracles. And so it's not really true. I mean, God did the miracles, but he did them through human beings. So was Jesus fully God? 100%. 100%. Was he fully man? 100%. But how can this work? How can that work together? Well, the beautiful thing is that when God became Jesus of Nazareth, he put aside his all-access past to heaven and God's status. He chose. God, in all of his sovereignty, Jesus, as fully God, chose. Philippians chapter 2 says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. In all the sovereignty of God, Jesus chose to become fully human. He becomes Jesus of Nazareth. He becomes fully human, which means that everything that he did on earth, he did as a human, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in this intimate relationship with God the Father. Scripture tells us that Jesus says he only does what he sees the Father doing. He was so connected to God the Father, and he was so empowered by the Holy Spirit, but he was fully human. 
turn to the person next to you and say, I am a human. You really can if you want. I am a human. Okay, here's the question I want to ask you. Could you live in such intimate communion with God? And could you live in a way that you are so empowered by the Holy Spirit that you can actually do what Jesus did? Because Jesus' life on earth was not just a life to look at and say, I can never be like that. He wants us to do what he did. As we spend time with him, as we become like him, we can do what he did. John 14, and this is Jesus speaking, says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Be with him. Become like him. And do what he did. It's a full circle of being an apprentice of Jesus. So I want to just spend the last little while giving a few practicals. As I said, Cindy preached on the last, the, those first two things, and she said when it comes to being with Jesus, how about just committing to spending 10 minutes with Jesus every day? Or 10 minutes more with Jesus than you have been? And be with him. Spend time. Be with Jesus. When it comes to becoming like Jesus, she encouraged us to do an audit of our habits because our habits, are habits like the habits of Jesus? Because if they're not, maybe we need to shift something. Do an audit and shift some of those habits so that we have put into place the same habits as Jesus had in his life. A few practicals when it comes to doing what Jesus did. How can you actually take that learner sticker off the back of the car of your faith? and start to do what he did. I want to give you just three practical suggestions. Firstly, I want to encourage you to know where you are and to be fully there. So know where you are. All of us are in different places. And that be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he did, isn't like an easy three-step process. It's all a little bit mishmash, but there is a bit of a progression. But it takes time. It takes teaching. It takes practice. It takes community. It takes the Holy Spirit Growing and maturing into the kind of person who can join in Jesus' kingdom work takes time, and it happens in stages. And so know where you are. Know your stage of discipleship. What stage are you at? Some of you are just starting to know Jesus. That is incredible. You're just starting to learn what his voice sounds like. You're just starting to learn how to read his word and be with him. Lean into that stage. Don't try and rush past it. Others may have been following for a really long time. You've been living in those rhythms of faith. You know who you are. You've stepped into your identity. You know your calling. Be there. How can you apprentice under Jesus in that stage of discipleship? Don't get left behind. Don't grow weary. Don't get lazy. Apprentice under Jesus. It's not a timeline, but there are phases. There are stages of your discipleship and live in that space. Lean into that space and ask the question, how can you apprentice under Jesus at that stage? How can you do what Jesus did at that stage of discipleship? Also to know your season of life. Different seasons of life 
Jesus lived in obscurity for 30 years. We don't know much about those first 30 years of his life season. And then he had three years of intensive kingdom ministry a season. They were very different. Even in those three years, there were seasons where Jesus would go away and pray. There were times when he was up on the mountains teaching for weeks, a different season. There were times when he was in Jerusalem and he was standing up against religious leaders, a different season, with different rhythms. Know your season. If you have small kids, for example, and you're just waiting for them to nap, you're probably not in the season to tackle that list of 10 things, just like head on. I'm just going to preach the gospel, teach the way, cast out demons, heal the sick. Don't feel guilty about that. But how can I apprentice under Jesus in the season? How can I do what Jesus did? He did a lot of things. How can I do what Jesus did in my season of life? You may be retired. You may be at school. You may run your own business. You may be unemployed. It may not be the season for some things. It may be the perfect season for some things. Know your season and how can you apprentice under Jesus in your season? Some of you this morning might need a very loving kick in the pants. Stop wasting your life on Netflix or on building your own kingdom and start to build the kingdom of God. Others of you this morning might need to hear, just slow down. You're filling your life with so much stuff that you're unable to hear my voice, God saying to you. Just slow down and allow me to work in you. Others of you may need to hear, sit at my feet. Some of you may need to hear, stop comparing yourselves. Some of you may need to hear, stop following people. Follow me. Or stop not following me because you're disillusioned with people. Know what's going on in your life. Know where you are. Know your stage of discipleship. Know your season of life. And ask yourself the question, how can I do what Jesus did right where I am? Second suggestion is to start with the basics. So know where you are. Start with the basics. That list of 10 things is very intimidating, right? But if you start with the basics, I look down that list, eat and drink with people who are far from God. I can do that. Start with the basics. There's a book called A Meal with Jesus by an author called Tim Chester. And he takes this idea where the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, which is written in Luke, and the Son of, the man, uh, Son of man came eating and drinking. And he combines those two ideas saying, what if the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost? And one of the very key ways that he did this was by eating and drinking. He says, what a great strategy for reaching the world. What a great strategy for reaching the world. Hey, you up in the tree, what's your name? Oh, Zach, awesome. Should we have dinner? I'm homeless, so maybe at your place. You oppress the poor, you probably got a mansion. You know, let's, let's go to your place. What a great strategy. Start with the basics. What's your name? Let's have dinner. Share a meal with someone far away from God. 
Hospitality is something that's so simple. All of us can do it, and it's not peripheral. It's right there, central, central to the way to Jesus. He ate and drank and spent time with so many people. In Romans chapter 12, it's a cracker chapter, and right in the middle there, two little words, practice hospitality. It's actually a command in the way of Jesus, not just this idea. And yet it's accessible to all of us. Tim Chester says, meals are deeply theological. Sharing a meal is about serving others. It's about sharing the grace of God with people. It's about fellowship and it's about mission. It doesn't have to be complicated or overwhelming to do what Jesus did. Start with the basics. You might look at that list or look at the life of Jesus and see something else that you're like, I can start with that. Do what Jesus did. So know where you are, start with the basics, and thirdly, I want to suggest that we live in the moment. The do what Jesus did kind of stuff, if we look in Scripture, it's quite hard to schedule in. You're like, I'm going to stand up against religious and political oppression, that's going to happen every Thursday from one to two, and then I'm going to heal the sick, I'm going to put that every Monday, first Monday of the month, that's where they'll fit that in. Really hard to schedule the stuff. If we look at the life of Jesus, actually, a lot of those miracle stories in Scripture, those beautiful encounters with people, they actually were interruptions. He was on his way to somewhere else. Oh, who touched my coat? It was an interruption. Go into all the world and make disciples that go into all the world is as you are going. Where are you all the time? As you are taking your dog for a walk. As you are sitting in a taxi, as you are dropping your child at school, as you are having a lunch break, as you are going, live in the moment. The big challenge for me over the last few weeks has, to be, has, has been to build in a little bit more margin in my life. I don't know if you, like me, like to overschedule yourself, not to overschedule in that there's too much to do, but it's pretty like tight. You know, this is going to happen from this time to this time, then this time to this time. I don't know if anyone else identifies with me. And then when you live your life that way, when I live my life that way, interruptions cause quite a lot of chaos to my highly detailed and planned out day. They're very irritating. And I think what margin does is it just opens up the blinkers. And it allows me to see people. And it allows me to see what God is doing. And it gives me space and time to join him and to do what Jesus did. And so live in the moment. Pay attention. See what God is doing and join him and you will be amazed at what God has planned. Maybe a prayer that we can pray each day is something like, God, help me to slow down. Help me to live in the moment, not in the future or the past or that 11 a.m. meeting that I've got. Just right now, this moment. Breathe it in, breathe it out. Give me eyes to see what you are doing in each moment and to join you. Bring along those beautiful interruptions. So know where you are, start with the basics, and live in the moment. Being an apprentice of Jesus, yes, we need to be with Jesus. 
as a priority. We will become like Jesus and we'll start to see this beautiful fruit leaking out of our lives. But at some point, we have to stop being a learner and actually start doing. Do what Jesus did. Will you journey with Jesus? Will you be a follower, a disciple, an apprentice, full circle? I'm going to pray for us in a moment, and then after that, we're going to invite you for communion. You can take your time. There's a bunch of songs. You can sit there. I want to invite you to sit and to just bring your life before God. Maybe there's something that you need to recommit to. Maybe you need to recommit to your following of Jesus or being with him. Maybe you really don't believe that you can do what Jesus did. Tell him that. I'm going to invite you when you're ready to come and take communion. You can spend some time in the front if you want. You can take it back to your chairs with you if you'd like to. If someone around you, you might want to share with them, or maybe someone, if you can't come to the front, you can just raise your hand and someone will come and serve you. But we're going to take a bit of time around this beautiful meal. Focus on the cross as we attempt to be with Jesus and become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you that you invite me to follow you. Do you invite each of us to follow you? I know myself, Lord, you know me. I'm not the best of the best. And yet you still invite me. And God, I want to pray in this apprenticeship that you would equip each of us, that you would grow each of us and mature each of us, that as we spend time with with you, that you would show us things and teach us things, that you would turn us into someone who looks more like you, that we would become like you. And God, I pray that you would equip and empower us to Do what you did as we are going in our workplaces, in our home, at the shops, in our cars, wherever we are. That our lives would be focused on doing what you did and building your kingdom and not our own. Help us to be apprentices of yours. In Jesus' name, amen.